Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest NEC On The Run podcast here on the NEC Overtime Pod. I'm Craig D'Amico, and today we are joined by one of the newest faces in NEC women's basketball, kinda, after several years as an assistant and associate women's basketball coach for Mount St. Mary's. This past spring, he was promoted and hired as the seventh head women's basketball coach in program history for the reigning champions. We welcome in Antoine White to the pod, and we welcome to the NEC Women's Basketball Head Coach Club. Antoine, thanks so much for joining us today. Great. Thanks for having me today. I'm excited. And now, you know, first of all, what has it been like these last you know, four or five months or so stepping into the head coach's position? Is it everything you thought the position was going to be? Have there been any surprises along the way? What has it been like? No, it's been uh, it's been a pretty smooth transition for me so far. And I think a lot of that credit goes to our staff and uh, our players as well. Um, ever since I've taken over, just their hard work and their dedication has been nonstop. So that's made my transition pretty smooth. And also our administrators, you know, um, our athletic director, uh, Lynn Robinson, she's got a lot of faith and, and love and belief in me. So uh, when you have that kind of support from your administrators, uh, it makes the transition pretty smooth. Now we're going to go down memory lane with you here a little bit here, you know, from the beginning of the journey to the present, we'll get into the future of Mount St. Mary's women's basketball as well. But let's start at the very beginning. Antoine, you know, as a kid, when you were growing up, uh, how was it? When was it that you fell in love with the sport of basketball? Yeah, so I, I was a late bloomer, you know, I really didn't start playing hoops until probably about seventh grade. Um, that's when I started to pick up a basketball. I was, I was a football athlete first, uh, played a lot of, you know, youth football growing up and I uh, just kind of picked up a basketball one day at Powell Middle School and, and fell in love with the game. And from there, it kind of took off. You know, I was a natural athlete and my skill set was below average. <laughs> but once I started to work on my game, you know, it just I kind of took off and I uh, really enjoyed playing the game of basketball. What what were some of uh, some of your early memories, you know, in middle school, in high school when when you were out there playing? I had some of my biggest memories were just our pickup games. You know, our pickup games at at Whitman uh, in the summer was a lot of fun. And we had some really competitive players. Uh, Michael Gruner, who played at Lafayette, uh, he was also a co-player of the year with Kevin Durant in Montgomery County in 06. Um, and then Dan Engelstad, our men's coach. Uh, he was somebody that I played pickup with and worked out with a lot. So our pickup games was something that, uh, you know, we always reminisce about and, and, and talk about. It was, it was a lot of fun back in the day. And now let's talk about Coach Engelstad for a second, because and when you went to the next level, when you went to college, you guys connected there at, at Southern Vermont. So what was it like, you know, playing for him and and and, and that connection? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And it, it really helped me out, uh, especially coaching wise. Um, but yeah, you know, Coach Engelstad gave me a second chance uh, to go back and get my degree. Um, I started out in junior college right after high school, had a pretty bad knee injury, and I just dropped out. I dropped out. I was out of school for about four or five years and I uh, decided to go back when I was 24. Uh, he got the head coaching job at SVC and Three years later, I, I was able to get my degree and, and play some basketball as well. I believe I was the oldest D3 player at the time. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, a lot of great uh, experiences. Uh, met a lot of good people up there, uh, some really good connections. I still, uh, you know, close with my teammates. So those, those three years were very important uh, to me and to my career. 
one of the oldest D3 players, but now one of the youngest D1 head coaches. So it, it all comes around. Um, after that time, you know, getting that second chance, you know, what was it that that led you to maybe consider going into coaching? Is that something you always considered? I know you were doing a little bit of that during the, the interim in between your, your playing time, but uh, was that something you always had in the back of your mind? Yeah, like you mentioned, you know, when I had dropped out, uh, that was my way of staying connected with the game. I uh, did a lot of high school and youth coaching. Um, and that, again, that was my way of staying connected. And I really enjoyed it. You know, I've, I've really enjoyed just making those connections uh, with players and with other coaches. And, um, you know, I didn't know I could do it at this level, you know, and other people around me in my circle were like, listen, you got a chance to do this at a high level. And that's why it was so important for me to go back to school. And, and Dan was telling me that, like, listen, man, you can't coach at the next level if you don't have your degree. So uh, that was very important for my development. But yeah, just the game of basketball is, is something I love to do. And it's really, it's, it's the only thing I, I know how to do. Now you came to Mount St. Mary's and for the, the majority of, of your time with the women's basketball program, you were serving under Maria Marcasano. What was it that Maria did so well uh, that maybe you picked up on and you learned from her? Just how she prepared. Every single day, she was so into the details. Uh, Maria would not let you skip a step. Uh, the staff couldn't skip a step. The players, for sure, couldn't step a, uh, skip a step. Uh, just, she was just very detailed in her approach every single game, and uh, that's something that I really appreciated. And at the time when she came into the mount, I needed that in my career. <clears throat> I was very young in the game and I was still trying to learn it all. So she came in at the right time for me personally. And, and I really got to learn a lot from her. Yeah. I was just telling you before we came on the air here that uh, over the years, you know, speaking with her, speaking with your players, they, they, not a conversation went by where they didn't throw out, you know, credit to you, you know, coach Antoine on the defensive end, coach Antoine with the individual workouts. What, what does it, I guess, mean to you um, that you're, what, what you've been doing, you're teaching the, 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 the way you go about yourself connects so well with the other coaches and with the players you've coached over the years. Well, you mentioned it, Craig. I'm, I'm one of the youngest, if not the youngest in the game right now. And, um, you know, I think that bodes well for me. I can really relate to the players. Um, you know, I, I went back to school a little bit later. So I, you know, just got out of the game a, a few years ago. So I can really relate to what they're going through every single day. And I think that helps me make my connections uh, with our players. Now, during Maria's four years with the program, the program, we've seen it and you've seen, I'm sure, you know, being in the middle of it, build kind of step by step, you know, first year, you know, missed the playoffs by one game, second year, some tough semifinal loss on the road, third year, you were going to host a, a, a semifinal game. And then, you know, last year culminating with the championship. So as someone who's been on the inside, that's been heavily involved in building that, seeing that ladder of ascension, you know, recruiting the right kids, you know, doing all the teaching, you know, what, what was that process and that progression like for you during those four years? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a lot of long days, a lot of long days. Um, you know, that when, when Maria took over, her and I had a conversation and the rest of the staff just about building a foundation of, of our culture. You know, that's where it start, starts uh, for us. And uh, we were able to do that. You know, it was the little things. We had always talked about that. And, uh, you know, we were able to just day by day. And, and that was kind of our saying at the time, you know, three, four years ago, 
let's just take this thing day by day and work hard. And uh, that's exactly what we did. And, you know, we, we came up with this overall scheme and concept of things of how we wanted our style of play to look like. Uh, but a lot of the credit and majority of the credit goes to our players. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're the ones going out and they're putting in that hard work and they're grinding it out on the track at 6 a.m., you know, two, three times a week. And then they come back and they have the lifting and, you know, extra shots with me and Kelsey. And at the time, Coach uh, Geiger and, and, and Julie, you know, it's a total team effort. And uh, it's it's pretty cool to see how it all came around. And now it's my job to sustain all of this. So, Coach, you know, it's an interesting spot because at the same time, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But then on the other hand, I'm sure growing up, as, you know, as a youngster and then as an assistant coach, you always were thinking in the back of your head, you know, if I'm ever a head coach, I want to make sure we do this. So, you know, what might be one example of something that you're, you're definitely going to make sure you keep and what might be something that this year you've implemented of your own? Okay, yeah, so. One big thing I took from uh, Coach Maria is, you know, I'm a defensive guy at heart, and, and she's more offensive-minded coach, although I'm, I might have changed that a tad bit in her. Uh, but one thing I really learned from her is, and especially at this level, you're not going to win a lot of games if you can't hit open shots, you know, and that's something that can just get overlooked. Uh, but, you know, that's something that we're just going to continue to do. We're going to work on our skill development, and uh, we still want to shoot the three balls, so that's that's something that we're still going to continue to do. Um, you know, with me being in this new role, it, it would be foolish of me to continue to do exactly everything that Maria did because it wouldn't be organic, right? Like that's, sure. that that's you know, she had her style and, you know, I had and I had mine. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, though. You know, you have all those little things like, you know, the, the travel schedule and what food do we eat on the, you know, those are all, I'm sure, little things that now are, fall on your plate that maybe you didn't have to think about before. Yep, for sure. <laughs> you know, and our, our players like to eat on the road. And, you know, our, our Catrice did a really good job this previous year of, you know, uh, keeping us organized. And uh, yeah, all those little things now fall on my plate. And uh, you know, I, I I do a good job of I'll, I'll try to do a good job of, uh, you know, allowing our players to pick out what they want to eat. And, I, you know, I don't want to control all of those things. I'll, I'll leave that. <laughs> He's a player's coach. That, that, that's it. Um, yeah, you got to keep them happy. <laughs> that's right. Now, now, last year's journey, of course, culminated in, in the, the best way possible, capturing the program's fourth tournament title, first since 1995. They did it with a 77-62 win over FDU in the semifinals, and then a 70-38 to 38 win over Wagner in the championship game, which as a defensive guy, I'm sure made you very happy. What what were your runs, what was your memories, I guess, of that, that whole week, that run up through the semifinal, the final, and then obviously the celebration that came afterwards? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is just no sleep. <laughs> I can imagine. We, we got no sleep leading up to those games, um, you know, and but the biggest thing is this, that's what we worked for. We worked to be in those big games and uh, to play on that kind of platform. And uh, I think the biggest thing for, for us and that we were preaching to our players was don't change who you are, right? Like we got here for a reason. Don't try to do anything that you're not capable of. Just continue to play your role and let the cards fall where they may. And again, credit to our players. They won out. And, you know, I think in the championship game, there was definitely some nerves there on both sides. And after that first quarter, um, you know, our, our players really took off and, and they locked into the game plan and they executed to a tee. 
Now your, your reward for that, you know, cutting down the nets, the trophy, all that, but you got really the hopefully once in a lifetime experience of participating in an NCAA tournament in a bubble in San Antonio. Um, so what, what was that experience like getting a chance to be a part of this never before once in a lifetime type thing? Yeah, it was a, it was a cool experience, you know, just one being able to to go to the NCAA tournament was was a lot of fun and you know the police escorts and things of that nature was pretty cool and you know you got to feel pretty big time and taking you know the the charter planes and whatnot like that that stuff was a pretty cool experience uh, from everyone and I just really enjoyed watching our players. You know, I sat back and watched them make their TikToks and <laughs> tweeting out about the experience. So I got a, a lot of joy out of how much, you know, they really, uh, you know, got to experience that. <laughs> now, while you were there, you know, there was this national story that developed with the disparity between the weight rooms and you know that opened up all this conversation about you know the inequities between women women's athletics and men's athletics so i'm wondering while you were there did, did when you were in the bubble did you guys get a sense of of all that backlash and what what are i guess your thoughts of of what some of those inequities might be yeah you know it's I, obviously it, it started to blow up on twitter and you know we that that's kind of how we found out. And, you know, it was an unfortunate situation of, of how it started out for uh, women's basketball. And, you know, a few days later, they, they corrected the wrong. Uh, but, you know, there's you can only control the controllables. And I just hope that, you know, people learn from, uh, you know, that experience and in the future uh, that that things are a little bit different going forward. Now, also, it was the the prior summer of 2020. Um, you were uh, you put out a video for the NEC Champions of Change, um, and you were talking about the challenges that you had growing up. And and something that stood out to me, you pointed to two things in particular: the importance of Black history in schools. Which, as an elementary teacher myself, I'm 100% on board with you with that. And then also the importance of exercising the right to vote. So you know, as an assistant coach, who doesn't really get a chance to to speak out you know, on, on a big platform like that. Um, you know, what did it mean to you to kind of speak from your heart and, and open up and share your, your thoughts uh, and experiences? And what was some of the feedback that you got to that? Yeah, you know, that's first time I've ever done uh, anything like that. And I'm just glad and, and, and happy that the NEC uh, gave me that opportunity to share a little bit about uh, my upbringing and, you know, what I had to learn and uh, things like that. And, um, you know, it's now me sitting in this chair. It's, uh, you know, I have to continue to use my platform and uh, my voice to reach out uh, to those around me. Um, I think, and, and Maria did a really good job of this with our players. Uh, you know, she wasn't always on Twitter, you know, talking about herself or talking about what we're doing behind closed doors. Uh, you know, but we did a lot of work with our players behind closed doors. And I think that's, that's what matters. You know, it's not about, you know, hey, we're doing A, B, and C, and you have to promote that. Um, you know, our players know that we're passionate about certain issues, and we'll continue to work at it and educate ourselves and educate our players. And, um, you know, it's something that, you know, this entire group from top to bottom, they're passionate about. So uh, it's something that we're going to continue to work at. 
Yeah, again, it was. I thought it was a great video that you put out. And for anyone that hasn't seen it, you can go to northeastconference.org uh, and check it out. Now, you know, switching gears, a, a few weeks after your trip to the bubble that we were talking about last uh, last March, you know, that's when Maria decided to head home to Indiana to become the coach at Purdue Fort Wayne and Mount. Wait, really wasted no time, almost simultaneously announcing you as the head coach. So take us into those you know, few weeks there, you know, what were the phone calls? Did you get like a heads up? Like, Hey, you might want to put in your name for this. Did someone come to you? Cause it seems like everything came together in a really quick period of time. Yeah. It happened pretty fast. It happened really fast. Um, but for me, and, and this is just how I kind of live my life. I take it day by day, you know, so I wasn't looking ahead, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, you know, there were a couple of conversations that, that were had back uh, behind the scenes and uh, Maria and I had a conversation and I love working for her. So I, I knew that that was an opportunity for me if things didn't work out at the Mount. But she she knew and I think everyone in-house knew that, you know, I wanted a shot at this. This is what I've been working uh, extremely hard at for the last couple of years. And uh, the Mount knows that I'm ready. And uh, that's why we we're we're sitting here right now. Now, a quick story. This is going to lead to a question. You know, when I was a kid, you know, I, I loved playing Super Mario on Nintendo. That was my game. I'd sit there for hours trying to, to beat the game. I'd, you know, go to the magazine rack, look up the secret cheat codes and all that. And then finally, one day, I finally beat it. And then the next day, my mom sees me on the couch. She's like, how come you're not playing your game? I'm like, yeah, eh, I already beat it. And he's like, well, you could still play it. I'm like, yeah, I could, but I already did it. So that kind of leads to you guys accomplished your goal last year. You won the championship. You know, you got that experience. How difficult is it now to, to go and motivate everybody? Hey, remember all that from last year? We got to go do that again from the ground up. As a head coach now, how difficult is, you know, getting back to that motivation that you had before you achieved your goal? Yeah, I think that, you know, the circumstances are a little bit different, you know, this season, uh, hopefully, you know, we're, we're, we're over with COVID and, you know, we can get back to our, our normal schedule. Uh, I think that alone uh, has a lot of players excited and I know it has our players excited, uh, but the biggest thing for us is uh, just staying humble, you know, and I, I think coming off of a championship run, you can fall into this trap of, you know, I have this championship team and I can just add more, you know, I can get sure. a little more complex with my schemes and, and my concepts and I'm, I'm approaching it very differently. And, and the, the, the message to our players is let's get really good at the little things, you know, let's keep it basic. Let's keep it elementary. Um, and then later on, you know, once we can, you know, we feel good that we, uh, you know, have a good foundation of those little things and, uh, when it comes to the game of basketball, then, you know, maybe we can start to add on to our schemes and concepts. But right now it's all about just coming in, working hard, and, and let's just focus on the little things of basketball. And I'm sure it's tough because, well, you know, you want to turn the page and keep focusing on those things and, and moving forward, you get these little reminders. Like they put up a banner on the wall that says 2021 champions. You're, you're going to get a ring if you haven't gotten it already. You know, that I'm sure that first game back with the fans is going to be like a celebration for a championship in itself. Cause you didn't get that in right. last year's championship. So, you know, there will be these little reminders that pop up. How do you handle that? Yeah, you know, I think we embrace the moment, you know, we enjoy it because they work so hard for it. Like our players, they deserve those moments. So, you know, we'll tell them, hey, listen, this is what you work so hard for. So enjoy it. But it's time to move on. You know, we 
our very first team meeting, that's what we talk about. Like, hey, listen, you know, if you have the championship photos hanging up in your locker or it's on your back, you know, your back screen on your phone, please just take it off. You know, it's it's time to move on and there's new challenges ahead of us. And guess what? Everyone in the NEC, they're not just going to hand us another title. Like it doesn't work that way. And uh, so we have to go out every single day and earn it. And, you know, I have all the confidence in the world that this team is going to go out and do that. Have you gotten a chance to to see the rings? Like, have you gotten a design? Have you been involved with that? What has that been like? So we we got the rings a couple of weeks ago. Uh, very very nice, and you know the players were pumped up about it, and there wasn't this big celebration about it. We had workouts playing, and you know we came in, we gave them the rings, and you know they were jumping around and again doing the Snapchat thing and all that good stuff and Instagram, and uh, you know and credit to them, they they enjoyed the moment and they got ready to work. So I put it away and get ready to to do it again. There you go. There you go. Like you said, you know, we're going to have our first home game and they'll drop the banner. And, and after that, hopefully it's time to, to focus on, you know, this upcoming season. Now in in your first off season as a head coach, you know, how has that been different? I guess in two ways, one being in a different role now as a head coach, but then also, you know, go into all these uh, events and camps at, you know, in a, I don't know, post-pandemic, mid-pandemic, whatever you want to say, environment. Um, you know, so with those two factors, how has this offseason kind of been different for you? I, I think the biggest uh, difference has been recruiting. You know, recruiting right. is, uh, you know, starting to, it, it was very nice to get out there and uh, just have that energy back in the gym. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. And to see, you know, the AU coaches and AU teams on the Under Armour circuits uh, get back out there. So I really enjoyed that. And, yeah, you know, it's a little bit different. You know, I have to, I have to do podcasts now like this. With <laughs> you and I, I'm enjoying it all. I'm taking it all in. And, uh, you know, it's, again, it's a day-by-day process with me. Now, one of your first important decisions as head coach is putting together your staff. As a longtime assistant, you know how important assistant coaches are. So what was your strategy in, you know, keeping some coaches in, finding new people that fit your style and what you're looking for? What was that process like? Yeah, it was, you know, it was kind of an easy process, to be honest. You know, for me, it was a no-brainer to keep Julian Kelsey. Uh, I've worked extremely well with them over the last few years. Um, so to, to to keep them on staff was something that I really, really wanted to do. Uh, they have a relationship with all the players and our administrators, and uh, they know how, you know, how I am and, uh, you know, how I want to work. So to keep them two on board was, was critical for us. And uh, to add Dave onto staff. Uh, has been a breath of fresh air for all of us. Dave is, uh, he's a, a very smart individual, uh, very outgoing personality. Uh, he keeps it fresh for us. And, you know, one thing that I like about Coach Dave, uh, you know, Sacred Heart has always done a really good job about getting players from the DMV up there. So I said, listen, and I know he was a big part of that. So I said, if Dave can help get kids up to Sacred Heart, he can definitely uh, get kids to the mount. Uh, bright guy. I, I'm excited about him and our new GA, uh, Maggie. She's a local kid and uh, she played some hoops and, um, you know, we're very excited about her. She, she's got a great basketball mind and she's a hard worker and she's eager to learn. So I'm, I'm really excited about our staff. I feel bad for them because they got to put up with my <laughs> and all my rants, but uh, I, I'm excited about our staff. 
Now, really a hard-hitting question here. You know, last year the dress code was relaxed for head coaches. <laughs> coaches, you know, went from these fancy suits to polos and, and zip-ups. You know, so I'm wondering, you know, as, as a male head coach, you know, what, what are your plans? Are you going to go the sharp suit, the nice tie, the nice shoes, or are you planning on going polos again next year? Craig, you'll learn this about me. I'm, I'm a pretty relaxed individual. <laughs> uh, so, you know, and my suit game is pretty weak to begin with. So, you know, it's going to be fairly casual for us. You know, we'll have the slacks and the polos and the and the quarter zips. But I really enjoyed coaching in uh, some comfortable gear. And now, if, if if I could just make a suggestion, you know, I I think back to like when Rick Pitino was coaching at Louisville, and that one game a year, he brought out that all white suit <laughs> with the red tie. You like you knew, oh, this is a big game, right? So right. like, pick one game next year, maybe a bow tie for Coach Phelan. You know, make you know, right. feel nice like that. Honor honor the the school. I think one game next year, I think you can make the suit work. We, we can uh, we can make that happen, Craig. We can make <laughs> that happen. Maybe for homecoming, that could be our, our, our one uh, game that we really dress up. There you go. Now, now I guess finally here, you know, what, what can fans expect uh, from the 2021-2022 Mount St. Mary's women's basketball team? You have a lot of returning faces, player of the year back. Kayla's never going to leave. Uh, you, know, you have a lot of, lot of, lot of returning faces, but then also a lot of fresh faces there, you know, from the, 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 the area, you know, recruiting very local with some of these new players, especially new players in the post. So what can Mount fans expect when they see this team on the court starting in November? Yeah. You know, I think uh, with this group, we have a little bit of everything, you know, we have playmakers, we have shooters, uh, we have post play with our incoming uh, uh, freshman class. Uh, they're long and they're athletic. So that was a box that we wanted to check off and, and they do that for us. Uh, but not too much is going to change for us. You know, we're still going to play fast. We're going to get up and down uh, on the defensive end. We're going to pick you up full court and we're going to zigzag and we're going to turn you over. Um, you know, it's going to be a high pace game and uh, we're going to play the right way. We're going to play hard and we're going to play uh, for each other. And I, I'm really excited for this group. Uh, the, the work that they put in this summer uh, we're headed in the right direction, and uh, I feel pretty confident that we're going to come back in preseason and pick up where we left off in the summer and, and, and keep this thing rolling. Now, not, nothing's been officially announced yet that I've seen, but I don't know. Can you give us any hints as to what might be the first time we say, like, is there a home opener, uh, you know, a season opener? Do you know dates on that yet, or is that still stay tuned? Uh, still stay tuned for that. Okay. Still stay tuned for, uh, for that, but, uh, you know, I, what we have down on paper so far, I really like our non-conference schedule. Um, I think it's going to challenge us. We, we have some uh, potential really big opponents on there. So I, I'm excited for our non-conference schedule and I'm excited for conference play. You know, I, I, I've seen what uh, other teams are doing in our conference and, you know, who they're picking up, transfers and things of that nature. So it's going to be a fun competitive season. And I know my group is up for the challenge. Now, you know this already, so I don't have to tell you there's never an off night in the Northeast Conference. Every night, every team comes to play, especially when you're the reigning champ and you have the bullseye on your back. So it should be an exciting season. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait for it. Well, starting this this November, this fall, Mount St. Mary's will be back on the court and it'll be coming to a Northeast Conference gym near you. We look forward to seeing them. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here today. Craig, I appreciate you having me on. That's Antoine White, the head coach of the Mount St. Mary's women's basketball team. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been the NEC On The Run podcast here on the NEC Overtime Pod.